Also welcome you today. So glad you're here to worship the Lord. Uh, my name is Danny Forshee and the pastor here at uh, Great Hills. And um, I don't know about y'all, but I've been looking for Noah and the ark. I, I figured it was out here somewhere. I tell you, it's raining. But I have lived in Austin now eight years. That's a long time for some of you. But for some of you, it's just I'm getting started. And then whenever it rains in Austin, Texas, I have learned to be joyful, to be glad, because there are many, many days and weeks and even months where we don't see a whole lot of rain. But we're delighted that you're here today. And if, as Jeremy shared, I love Jeremy Armstrong. He was up here earlier, works for the athletic director there at the University of Texas who won yesterday, which was really good. Let's don't go there. Let's just move, move around. Uh, Jeremy, I appreciate you. Thank you for welcoming uh, everybody. But Ashley, my wife and I, uh, she'll be in here in just a minute. She comes about 1130, but she has her station out here at the Building C. She loves to greet people. She starts there about 1050 and goes to about 1130. But she'll join me and we'll meet in the Welcome Center. And if you're a guest, especially a first-time guest, we'd love to meet you, encourage you, bring your little registration card from the worship guide and exchange that for me uh, for one of the books we, we've written. So we'd love for you to, to come. And so many good things happening. I'm grateful to the Lord for the reports, what we heard yesterday in the women's conference here, a, a message on hope. And so thank you, ladies. I know y'all had a, a fantastic time and I'm, I'm grateful to God for how he blessed and how he is, is blessing. So Today, as you see, the tables are before us, and we're going to observe the Lord's Supper in just a few minutes. And so in this abbreviated sermon that I'm going to be preaching to give us ample time uh, to come to the table, I, I still want to continue in a series of sermons that I've been preaching now for many months called For the One. And the one uh, refers to the people that Jesus Christ encounters, the individuals that he meets in the New Testament. In his four biographies, we read multiple accounts uh, of when Christ interfaced with people one-on-one -on -one and helped them, healed them, ministered to them, saved them, intervened in their lives. And oftentimes, we, we read about Christ doing this in the midst of some difficult circumstances. And remember just a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how Jesus was in the, he was in the synagogue and he was teaching but on the periphery of that audience were those scribes and Pharisees, and they were analyzing him and critiquing him and just trying to find a way that he would slip up so that they could bring accusation against him. And yet, even in that crucible, even in the midst of that difficult situation, Jesus still told the man with the paralyzed hand, reach, reach out your hand. We're going to find Jesus doing this often in the New Testament we're going to look at him today on the cross when he is literally dying on the cross. He has other people on his mind. It's a fascinating story when you, when you really probe into it and look at what's going on, the agony, the pain of Christ as he's literally stretched out on this cross with spikes in his wrist, one huge spike through his feet and ankle bones, and there he is suspended between heaven above and earth below as he's dying on the cross for the sins of the world, physical pain, emotional pain, excruciating emotional and physical pain, but that paled into comparison to the pain he was feeling for the moment of separation from God the Father. Never had they been separated. They were always in communion. Jesus said in John 5, 19, I'm, I'm always hearing him. I'm always watching him. I'm always doing what he's wanted me to do. But in that moment, 
God the Father turns his back on God the Son because God the Son became sin and God can't look at sin. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for you who knew no sin became sin for me so that I could become the righteousness of God. And so as Jesus Christ is dying on the cross, he has the wherewithal, he has the ability to look down at his mother and to look at the disciple whom he loved, John, and he sees, he speaks, and he helps, which is to me so incredibly, well, it's really amazing. So I want to read it to you. It's John 19. It's only a couple of verses. John 19, 26 and 27, as we look at this message for the one, and the one in this case is his mother, Mary. So John 19, now when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, and that would be John who wrote this gospel, he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her, Mary, mother of Jesus, took her to his own home. It's a familiar passage of scripture. I know most of us have read it, but I've never looked at it from this facet or from this angle of where Jesus Christ in the midst of agony, in the midst of pain, he has the one on his mind and on his heart. In fact, the one was his biological mother, Mary. It is one thing, I understand, to minister to people, help people, love people, encourage people when things are great in our lives. I'm telling you, we've got our health, our bank accounts are looking good, our kids, oh, we're so proud of our kids, they're making straight A's, and man, oh, my retirement, oh, it's looking great, oh, everything is great. How can I help you? You know, it's easy to help and serve and minister when everything is going absolutely fantastic. However, it is an entirely different thing to do that when you don't feel like it, when you're hurt, when you're worried, and when you're experiencing physical pain or emotional pain, financial strain, marital pain, or in your workplace, and yet you have the spiritual wherewithal to step up and step out and say, by God's grace and by God's strength, I'm going to do the right thing even though I absolutely do not feel like it. Now, that's where we are in the text. And I would love to encourage you, to challenge you as I'm challenging myself, to be able to have that spiritual depth, that level of discipleship where I'm able to transcend my pain and my preferences and maybe even my anger or my hurt and be able to lift up my eyes and say, oh, dear Lord, there are people far worse off than me. How can you use me, God, to help? You know, Kristen was standing right here a moment ago and she was singing that song and it was powerful. Thank you, Kristen. Very powerful. And Hillary was standing over here singing. That was so, so good. A couple weeks ago, Kristen uh, was in a car wreck and uh, she texted a few of us and had asked us to be praying about it. And it wasn't her fault, but somebody ran into her 
and they stopped and I think they exchanged information, maybe waiting on uh, police or whatever to come. And, and Kristen said, she's, she's standing there and then she goes back to her car and she looks in her rear view mirror and she could tell the lady is incredibly distraught. I mean, she's crying, she's upset. And if you've ever been in an automobile accident, you, you know, that can be very, that can be very uh, disturbing. And so Kristen, God bless your soul, she has the spiritual wherewithal to get out of her car, walk up to the window of the lady that just hit her and tap on the window and say, do you mind if I just lead us in a word of prayer? And the lady said, excuse me, I just ran into you and you wanna pray for me? And Kristen said, absolutely. She said, I really believe that, well, I'm grateful, you know, neither one of us are hurt. Got some fender benders going on here, but I really believe that the Lord impressed me to come and pray for you. I appreciate that. That was her one, even though the, she was not in the, in the, in the best, best place. You know, God is so good. Kristen, I appreciate your, your patience and your forgiveness. A couple weeks ago, I had asked Kristen to come up and I was going to interview her and tell that story. Well, I don't know if you were here, I got so excited at the end of the service when they showed a picture of my first grandbaby, and that's also Hannah and Jeffrey's baby, I get that, but that's my first <laughs> grandbaby. I lost my mind. I said, y'all, some of y'all were here and I said, hey, y'all, God bless you. Have a good day. And about half the church rose up and say, pastor, we got to take the offering. Y'all are some good Baptists, by the way. Amen. <laughs> take the offering. I was like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, take the offering. 6.15, I don't think I've told Kristen this part of it. 6.15, my eyes went wide open. I went, oh no, oh no. I had told Kristen, I had asked her. And the last thing I said before I came up on the pulpit, I said, are you, are you ready? And so I waited to, to about seven o'clock and I, and I texted her and I said, please, please forgive me. And, and she said, oh, pastor, you had a lot on your mind. She goes, no, no, no worries. And then later that night, a group of us were, were running and, uh, and she was telling the group kind of what happened. And she said, yeah, he forgot me and we're leaving the church. We're taking our, <laughs> we're taking our membership card and we're getting out of here. And I thought, that, that's funny. And I appreciate your grace. I do. And I, I tell you, I, I need grace because I, I mess up sometimes. And just like a couple weeks ago, I just completely forgot a major part of what I wanted to say. But I think we're most like Jesus when we can even... Even when times are hard, we can step up and step out and help somebody who's in need. You know, we look at the life of Mary, and I, I believe two extremes happen when we study Mary, the mother of Jesus. Many undervalue her, and many overvalue her. Many undervalue this precious woman. This woman of faith, this woman of God, you remember her story? Let's, let's, let me just read it to you. Just kind of reacquaint you with our one today, this lady named Mary. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And Gabriel comes and says, behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, Mary's probably a teenager. And there's this angel coming to her saying, guess what? <laughs> We've got news for you. He will be called, he will be great and be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom, there will be no end. 
Then Mary said, (laughs) she said, how can this be since I do not know a man? She had had no intimacy with a man. She was betrothed to be married to Joseph, but she was a virgin. And she's going, you got to help me understand this because I, I don't know. I have not known a man. And the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Ladies, what about that? What what in the world? You're just an Israelite. You're living life. You know, you're about to get married. And you get pregnant by the Holy Spirit. I mean, you know, we've read this so much. And we're so familiar with it. But I can't, I cannot even imagine what is going through her mind. What's going to go through Joseph's mind? Oh, and the power of the Most High, he will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One, Mary, is to be born. He will be called the Son of God. And then we read Luke where she delivers that magnificat, that, that word of, of praise and extolling God. God chose her of all the women who had ever been born. He chose this inconspicuous, really a nobody, just a a normal, ordinary person. And by the way, God specializes in that. He loves to take the ordinary and the nobodies to make them a somebody for the glory of God. And so he chose her and she was the one that would give birth to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's fully God and he is fully, fully man. But I know that as I, as I look at this text with you, there's some, there's some interesting dynamics going on. One writer I read this week, D.A. Carson, he asked the question, where are Mary's other sons? Jesus is dying on the cross. And instead of one of his, his brothers taking care of his mother, they are nowhere to be found. So Jesus takes it upon himself to make sure that she is secure and she's taken care of. Uh, one writer said, no, they're not even around. They don't even believe in Jesus at this point. They're probably in Capernaum. Jesus is dying in Jerusalem, but his mother is there. You know, it's something about a mother's love. Amen. A mother's love. And she knew he was special because you just don't have a baby like that, right? That's impossible unless God Almighty does an intervening work by his spirit. And so where are the brothers? We, we really don't, don't know. But Carson writes these words. It isn't wonderful to remember that even as Jesus hung dying on a Roman cross, suffering as the Lamb of God, he took thought of, think about that, he took thought of, he noticed, and he made provision for his mother. He goes on to say, Jesus displays his care for his mother as both she and the beloved disciple are passing through their darkest hour. They pass through this dark hour on their way to full Christian faith, end of quote. I said some of us undervalue her at times and, and others overvalue her. They venerate her. Mariology is literally the worship of Mary. And some Roman Catholic scholars take that same text that I just read to you, 1926-27, Jesus is dying on the cross, and Roman, some Roman Catholic theologians turn it around and say, no, what Jesus was really saying was he was telling Mary, you are now 
the mother of John. And so symbolically, John, a disciple of Jesus, is coming under the umbrella of Mary. And so now Mary is the mother of the church. That's not good theology. I, I have found that you really get in trouble when you say, oh, that's what it says, but here, let me tell you what it really means. That, that's, that's dangerous. It's very clear. You can read it. Jesus said, behold, Mary, this is your son. And son, this is your mom. And the Bible says 27, and John understood clearly that he was now to make provision. And she came to live under his headship, under his leadership, and she was going to be taken care of. And that's just like our Lord. Even in his dying days, dying moments, he has that capacity, that wherewithal, to even though in excruciating pain, look upon his mother that he dearly loved and make sure that she is taken very well care of. There's just a couple of things I want to notice in this text, just three simple truths, and then we're going to come together to the, to the table. The first truth is this. Look, see others, and understand their difficulty even in the midst of your own. Now, I know this is not Christianity 101, right? This is really not even 201 or 301. This is, this is what it means in a deep way to walk with God. When you're hurting, you've been in an accident. You've been diagnosed with cancer. You have just lost your job. And instead of melting and absolutely falling apart, angry at God, mad at the church, ready just to hurt somebody, you have the spiritual wherewithal to say, my God is sovereign. I know he's going to take care of me. Now, how can I help somebody else? Woo. Son, that's deep. And that's a place that I think God would have Great Hills Baptist Church be. Be in the crucible in the pain, in the agony of the moment and be able to have the wherewithal to look at the city of Austin and say, how can we serve? How can we help? So verse 26, I know it's very simple, but if you look at it, verse 26, it says these words, when Jesus therefore saw. You can't see unless you're looking, right? You can't see other people's hurt and pain and their agony and their difficulty, unless you're looking for it, and Jesus was. Number two, speak to the painful situation. Speak to it. Again, verse 26 says, he said to his mother. <laughs> he said, this is pretty simple, Brother Danny. I, I, I got it. See and speak. Yep. See, speak. He spoke to his mother. He spoke to John. I kid you not, August 28th, the day before Ashley and I left for New York City, I, I was writing the sermon. I was literally writing the manuscript. And I get a text from one of our, our newer church members. He's not here today, but Mark, in fact, he's preaching somewhere in the city. But Mark texts me and he said these words. He said, man, I'm, I'm having a surgery. I just came through my surgery and I'm, I'm in a lot of pain. And I was thinking, That's, that sounds about right. You have surgery, you're in a lot of pain. And within 10 seconds, he sends me another text, and I literally will read it to you. Just witness to everybody, even a Buddhist, praise God. <laughs> That's what he said. 
Yeah, I had surgery. Yeah, I'm in a lot of pain. But you know what? I got to witness to everybody in the room and, and even a Buddhist I got to share Jesus with. Praise God. Wow. I don't know about you guys, but that's, that's pretty heavy. That's pretty deep to be able to have the wherewithal, the spiritual maturity and depth that even if I'm having surgery, even though I'm having a hard time, that I can, I can look, then I can speak to another person. You know, what, what happens here when you, when you speak, your mind, your mind gets away from you and you get focused on somebody else. And that's incredibly therapeutic, by the way. But as long as you're looking in the mirror and you're looking inward and you're, and you're hurt and you're angry and you're agonizing and, and, and people have failed you and disappointed you and, and you're just so wrapped up in yourself, I mean, you're not going to look, you're certainly not going to speak, but if you do, you'll begin to see what God can do. God can do a mighty miracle in, in your life and in my life. Because I'm not standing up here saying, yeah, that's me, guys. Just watch me. I tell you, I go through a hard time. I go share the gospel with everybody. That's not me. I want to be there. I, I want to get to that point, Kristen, that you are. But I'm the first time things happen, tragedy happens, I'm like, oh, my word. How am I going to figure this out? What am I going to And God's telling me, lift up your eyes. Look. Look at me. I've got this. And now look around and see if you can help somebody else. And the last thing is this. Go one step further and help. Help. Jesus dying on the cross. He looks at Mary. He speaks. And then he makes provisions for her, right? <laughs> All of this while dying, literally dying on a cross. He's looking, speaking, and making provision. We were meeting with a guy the other night just um, a sweet time, a group of men. Got a number of men coming on our Wednesday night to mentor. It's a lot of, it's a lot of fun. I'm going to be up here from about 6 to 9. Daniel, what are you going to be doing? About the same. And Ross, having a good time discipling men and encouraging men in their walk with God. And they're discipling me and encouraging me. But one of those gentlemen shared with us, he said, you know, I got a bad diagnosis, cancer. And, and it's, not, it's not a good thing. And he said, God's given me opportunities to witness to people. I was like, Why don't you just come up here and preach that sermon, brother? You preach this sermon. Yeah, I'm not afraid to die. I mean, it's a bad prognosis here, and I got some serious treatments about to come my way, but it's given me so big of a platform to honor my God and tell all my colleagues how Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. That's an excellent, that's an excellent response. As we come to the table today, I want you to be thinking about these things with me. Think about that depth of discipleship, that, that depth of a spiritual walk with God. When times are hard, instead of getting angry, instead of turning inward, and instead of evaluating the circumstances in a negative way, just look. Look around. Speak. How are you today? How can I pray for you? What can I help you with? Okay, let me help you. It, it, it does something to us. No wonder we worship him, right? That's our king. That's who we follow. We don't follow any other man. We don't follow any other religious leader. We don't, we, owners or founders of world religion. No, it's just him. And think about for a moment what he's doing 
He is dying on a cross for the sins of the entire world. And even as he's dying, he has given us a template. He's given us a, a model, an example, whereby his people will follow. Now think about this. If I can do this, if you can do this, if we can have that kind of discipleship and that spiritual maturity that, that we're able to help and serve and minister from our crucible, from our very pain and our, and our hurt, because we're all going to hurt. We're all going to have pain. Welcome to humanity. We're all going to either get cancer or have a heart attack or Alzheimer's, and we're going to die, and we're going to go to heaven as his people. So knowing that, let's just take as many people with us as possible. That's, that's my message for you today. I, and I want you to know I am... I, I am in that, and God is helping me. God is, God is revealing to me, showing me how to do this. And really, it is just part of your overflow, your walk with God. And as you observe the elements today, just, just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. And then pray. Say, Lord, help me to be like you. And that could be your, your spiritual, maybe a little baby step for some of you today. Just say, okay, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why I'm always so unhappy. <laughs> Maybe that's why people don't really want to hang around me. It's because I go through a hard time and I make everybody's life miserable. So I'm going to change that. In my misery, I'm going to let God deliver a message of hope from me. Pray that for you. I pray that for me. Some of you are here today and you come to this table and you would hear me say, God demonstrated his love toward us even while we were sinners. Jesus Christ died, and he did die. Praise God, he arose from the dead. And when we receive his forgiveness and his blood cleanses us, then the same power that rose Jesus from the dead, Romans 8, lives in us. Have you taken that step? Have you walked toward God's open arms of grace and mercy and forgiveness? If you haven't, let this be your first step. And then take that bread and take that juice and just celebrate with the people of God here at Great Hills. So I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. And as I'm praying, our, our deacons, our, our servant leaders here at Great Hills, they're going to be helping us prepare to take the elements. Would you go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes as I lead us in a prayer of preparation? It's a very solemn time. It's a very worshipful time. I would always encourage you to take this to heart very, very seriously. If you're unwilling to repent and unwilling to surrender your life to God today, then you just need to pass on those elements. Because 1 Corinthians 11 says, don't do this in an unworthy way. It, it can cost you. So I want to help you with this. If you're just belligerent and angry and you are just in a bad place spiritually, here's what I want you to do. I want you to ask God for God's help. And if you're unwilling to do that and unwilling to receive God's grace and forgiveness, then you do need to let these elements pass you by because this is representative of the very death of Jesus Christ where blood was shed, bodies mangled and broken. Why? For our sin. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus and in the power of the Spirit. Lord, we are all broken people, and we need you. Lord, we need you so much in our lives, even as Christians. Lord, we recognize how far we have yet to go as we watch you, the king, 
And we want to emulate you and follow you and, and enroll in your plan of discipleship. Lord, please forgive us because we struggle at this point. And so, Lord, as we take the elements today, may it just infuse us. May you infuse us with your power so that we can say, God in heaven, please help me. Enable me, Lord. Energize me so that I can help others even when I'm hurting myself. And, Lord, for those that don't know you and for those that are, and, Lord, their hearts are very, very hard, I pray for them. God, I pray for them. Let them know, Lord. Let them know miraculously how you how much you love them and that you died for them and that you want to be their king. So we pray all of this and we're looking forward now to this sacred time in Jesus' name, amen.